Welcome to the Cause I Love You podcast, a series of conversations designed to convene faith, civic, and nonprofit leaders in and around Colorado Springs. We want to foster greater collaboration between faith and civic partners so the church can be our city's greatest contributor towards human flourishing. Each month, we explore topics and struggles impacting people in the Pikes Peak region and connect you to the leaders that are working to end suffering and increase flourishing. Hello, Cuz I Love You friends, fans, and followers. My name is Stu Davis. I'm the executive director of Cuz I Love You, and welcome to our fourth and final episode of the Cuz I Love You podcast, specifically our city series. We've been taking a look kind of under the hood at some of the people that you may or may not know of, but who have a significant impact on our day-to-day lives here in Colorado Springs and in El Paso County. And we'll introduce this episode in a few minutes, but I cannot go any farther without bringing in the six to my eight And if you know, you know. Miss Corey Smith, our project manager. Hello, Stu. How are you? I am great. It's great to have you here. And six and eight, we're not like ranking each other. It's your Enneagram number, right? right? right. Just for those of you that. Which is why I said, if you know. If you know, you know. You know. Yeah, right. So, Corey, this is an interesting episode that we've got lined up today. Have you ever wondered what your local city clerk or recorder does? Okay, I have. But only in specific instances. Right. When we've Which ha- is yeah. when? Like at our, our city elections, you'll see our city clerk's name, Sarah Johnson, on your ballot. Mm-hmm. And in, in my brain, I'm like, that's a lot of people getting someone's name and contact information. Right. And I've always thought that sounds overwhelming. Yeah. What if you gave 500,000 people your phone number? I know. I will never. I won't do it. But Sarah does. And I'm sure it's her office. She's got a team of people. But to me, I've been fascinated by how does someone kind of carry the administrative oomph of a city, the administrative kind of um, influence Mm -hmm. for a city? I think that sounds incredible and unimaginable. Yeah, that's an interesting term that you use, administrative influence, because not a lot of people would think of an administrator as being highly influential. But these two people, Chuck and Sarah, both are. Truly. Yeah. So lots of administrative firepower that goes into their two positions, which we will get into right now. We're just not going to take any more time. Let's just jump right into this interview with Sarah Ball Johnson and with Chuck Broerman. Well, hello again, Colorado Springs. Welcome to the fourth and the final episode in our city series on the Cause I Love You podcast. This series has been a bit of a diversion from our normal path of exploring areas of need in our city, which we will get back to in the coming months. But I'm really intrigued to see where today's conversation takes us. I'm sitting with two colleagues here that I will introduce to you in just a moment. But before I do, I want to just ask you to recall some of the storylines and the headlines that you may have heard or read about these past few years around election integrity. Now, the Cuz I Love You podcast is not a political one, and we try to curate conversations that are intentionally apolitical. So we're not going to discuss what happened in any recent election, local, state, or national. But if you've been paying even the smallest amount of attention, you have no doubt heard and seen the scrutiny that local elections officials have come under. And whether you're a novice to the elections process or you're an insider, I would guess that very few of you know, much less have had a conversation with your local elections official. Well, today is your chance to change that. And I have with me two guests, 
Sarah Ball Johnson and Chuck Broman, who are our clerk and recorders with the City of Colorado Springs and El Paso County, respectively. Now, you may be wondering, what is a clerk and recorder and what do they do? Well, this is the conversation that will answer those questions and hopefully many more. And among other things, I hope that we'll be able to discuss today, the, was it, what are some of the best ways that the Cuz I Love You tribe of people who want to collectively seek the peace and the prosperity of our city, what can we do to best work alongside those uh, people in being the best citizens of our city and our county that we can be? So without any further rambling on my part, Sarah Johnson and Chuck Borman, it is a pleasure to have both of you here. Thank you for making thank the time. You, thank you for having us. Thanks. It's great. I always enjoy any of these opportunities to talk to our public. That's right. Well, you guys are both very busy people, and the fact that I can get you both in the same room is an accomplishment in and of itself, but I'm excited for our conversation. So, Sarah, I'd like to just start by giving you just the chance to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came into this role. It's not going to take listeners long to understand that you might not have grown up in Colorado, um, but you spent the majority of your career in government roles, so tell us how you you got here. Sure. So true. Well, I'm the city clerk for the city of Colorado Springs. And so I do come from Kentucky. That Southern accent always kind of comes out in, so in that, weird. in that chatting. Um, but yes, so my, the bulk of my experience has been in elections. <laughs> so in my previous state, I uh, worked at the state board of elections, was the executive director for years. So I have vast amounts of experience from implementing the National Voter Registration Act for you all that want to go all the way back to 1990. 93 uh, in that respect. So, and then all the way through Help America Vote Act and getting that implemented. So what does that mean for you as a voter? That means the elections that you've been running in, I've been working in. Mm-hmm. Um, on the state, the federal level, very active in federal election policy, um, state policy. And then, of course, on our city side, we have our own elections, standalone elections in April of odd years. And so I do conduct those elections and work very, very closely with who you're going to hear next, Chuck Brewerman. Uh, we coordinate quite a bit on elections year round. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so before I get to Chuck, how long have you been in Colorado Springs? I've actually been here June 1st. It'll be 10 years. Wow. You know, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years. It's awesome. gone by really quickly. And I, I love my new home state and I enjoy it. And it's really nice not to have humidity. <laughs> not the it That's is right. delightful. Yeah. Every time I go home uh, in general, but particularly in the summer and I, you know, the door opens from the airport and I'm like, ah, wall of humidity. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a great state, great people out here. That's great. Chuck, how about you? Well, some similarities, uh, some differences. Our our roles, we have similar roles, but we have additional things that make us unique and different. So um, I'm a Buckeye, so I I come from just north of Kentucky. So I've been here 34, almost 35 years, moved here with my wife, and uh, we started a family. We have four daughters who are all now graduated and and married and, 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 and the like. So I came in a different route. I worked 20 years in the private sector. I worked 20 years in manufacturing, engineering, and high-tech sector. Uh, I started out in Dayton, Ohio, and then after a number of years, trans- transitioned to a manufacturing facility here in Colorado Springs. Did that for 20 years, and then that industry, a lot, a lot of it went overseas to the Far East and M- Malaysia and stuff like that. So I had to remake myself. Uh, I had dabbled in a, in a bunch of other things, public policy, worked for some free market think tanks, uh, did that. Um, and then between jobs, one day I was in our, 
our local county motor vehicle office and now city councilor Wayne Williams, who was then county clerk and recorder, come bounding through the office as Wayne does with a lot of enthusiasm. I've known Wayne for years. Uh, and he says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm here to renew uh, my registration for my vehicle. He goes, well, you know, you could do that uh, uh, by mail. And I said, I know, but I'm always very impressed with how efficient uh, county government, how efficient we are here. We're not typical, um, I think, here in, in Colorado Springs and in El Paso County with respect to how we deliver government services. And uh, so he was asking what I was doing. He said, well, I've got some I got some part-time jobs if you're looking for something in between. I said, sure, why not? So I kind of then learned the job from the ground up from working in motor vehicle. And then there was an opportunity that was more along the logistical background, which I'd done in manufacturing. So um, it just kind of segued to then eventually becoming an elected Yeah, we official. were talking about this before the episode that you were kind of the undercover boss before you were the boss. Yes, that's <laughs> you true. You worked the front lines and then kind of took that experience into the role that you're in now. So sure. you've, you've experienced what it's like on the customer side and on the, sure. So I've got the, the private sector, yeah. and I, I I know the nuts and bolts of how our office runs. So yeah, that's great. Certainly. So, okay, for both of you, and maybe starting with you, Sarah, I'm going to ask you guys the easiest question that there is, um, because I think there are a lot of people who, they see your titles on ballot sheets, the things that show up in our mails, even uh, some of the signs around town, but may might have no idea what you do. So, what is a clerk and recorder? What do you oversee? I know it keeps people up at night, right? <laughs> like I can't sleep because I just want to know what a city clerk does. Well, we do a lot of things. Uh, and, and like, you know, Chuck alluded to very similar things. One of the biggest things that you may uh, see the clerk from is interaction with council. So according to our city charter, which is like our constitution on a local level, uh, I'm clerk to council. So I work very closely with council doing agendas, uh, minutes, anything that goes through city council, as far as a new city law, or a budget, for example, all of that is going to come through my office to uh, get on that agenda. And then once passed by council, we take it from there, get it published, get it officially made part of the city code or an IGA, intergovernmental agreement, something like that. So we do that. And then the other big uh, part of the office is business licensing. So we, the city uh, basically doesn't have sort of a general, if you have a business, you get a license. We don't operate that way. We're uh, occupation specific type licensing. So one of the things that we do the most of are liquor licensing and uh, medical marijuana licensing, along with the security officers. When you go out, at least in our lobby, you see uh, security officers. We regulate those security companies and security officers, pawn shops, those kind of things. And then we do elections that we just talked about. We run the city municipal elections in April of odd years. And then there's more. We we do um, citywide records. So we're the entity that coordinates with all the departments to make sure that they're following the records retention schedule and keeping those documents for if you do a core request or something like that. Um, we will go and say this is past retention or and we follow the state uh, records retention law. So there is a guide for us to go by. And then beyond that, it's it, the clerk or the clerk and recorder. We're pretty much sort of the department that if you're not sure where to put something or who to ask, you're kind of the you come all. to our yeah. office. And because we do touch all the departments all the time, every day, we're a good source to say, OK, it's not us, but 
it's here mm-hmm. or it's not the city, it's the county. Okay. So that's why we have a lot of yeah, you guys. So, I mean, really a lot of the administrative engine that continues Correct. to keep our city going. That is, yeah. you, you can't, I always say in budget times, at least that you cannot run the city without the clerk or the county without the clerk and recorder because we have such similar duties. Yeah, that's great. Chuck, anything to add to that? I know that there's a Broad area of overlap, but then there's also there, there is there's there's similarities and and distinct differences too. So, whereas the city has you know a charter and and home rule, um, we the county is under uh, we are an extension of state government. So we have statutes, state statutes that govern our activity. So in Colorado, the the clerk is kind of the person that we need something done. Who, who, who are we going to put this under? We, we need someone dependable as to get something done. So uh, we do a number of things. So we do run elections. So um, we run the coordinated and general elections. We run the primaries. We run the presidential primaries now. So um, we, you may see our, our ballot come from our office a number of times. And, and sometimes outside of the city municipal elections, they'll, they'll put something on our ballot. We kind of are like the general contractor in a in a general election and we kind of rent space and uh, the city will say, Hey, we want this important issue or concern before our voters. Um, can you put that on? And, and we, we run that. So, um, in the clerk recorded office, we're kind of the public face of county government because of the number of things we do. You know, unless you happen to be in Sheriff Bill Elder's bed and breakfast, the jail, <laughs> um, or or if you live out east and have an issue with the road or or grading or snow plow, you know, driver or, or an entity like that, um, you probably know county government and how it runs through our office because. Outside, you know, in elections, we have anywhere from 450 to 500,000 people that vote in an election. Um, we run the motor vehicle office. So we license and title vehicles. Um, we do handicap placards. And then we have a memorandum of understanding with the state uh, Department of Revenue. We do driver's license renewals um, and transfers from out of state. Uh, we do that in the recording area. We record deeds and liens. Uh, those important documents. Um, we do the fun stuff where we do marriage licenses and civil union uh, uh, licenses. Uh, and then we also, like Sarah, we we do the agenda and the minutes for our governing body, our county commissioners. So similarities, but some very, very, very much differences too. Okay, next easy question. Um, why do we have officials in these positions at both the city and the county level? I mean, I know that, again, we've got these two municipalities they do overlap um and kind of where and how often do you guys overlap and and, and really truly work together you've talked about that a little bit but just expand on that i think i touched on a little bit before is because of what's what's our governing document where you sarah you have your your city charter uh we have we have the state constitution and the statutes and laws that govern us so um so that that's where the differences come in and, and 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 the like, you know, but there are some communities, the city and county of Denver and other areas at Broomfield that have kind of moved those into each other. It's I think it's just how how 
how we have evolved as a, a state and a city, right, sir? Right, it is. It is. I mean, you you may have heard the term home rule. So the city is a home rule municipality, which is why we have that city charter, why we have our city codes. And quite honestly, we can regulate and do things that the county cannot do because they have to follow only what's in the statutes. And the way the statutes become the statutes are because the state legislature has put that into place, whereas we have the city council who can put into place, for example, uh, a massage business license they just recently enacted was because we are home rule, because we have that ability, we could go ahead and regulate that, whereas the county could not until a recent bill passed this legislature that will eventually allow them to go down that path. And at that point, we are already collaborating as we put our in collaborating with the state legislature sponsor, Representative Carver, and also with the commissioners. So it is important that it's different. And, you know, for those out there that may have that question, the Colorado Constitution itself creates to some degree that and the statutes create the ability for home rule. Uh, and they have specific guidelines on that. So um a lot of communities, your bigger cities, even smaller to some degree, are that home rule because you have that flexibility to regulate public health and safety a little bit better. Um, as to why, you know, we're we're separate, it's the way our charter was set up, you know, at the founding of the city. And it's, of course, been modified over the years. It takes a vote of the people to modify our charter. Um, so it has to be an election question. And it has been set up that we have our own separate elections in that April of odd year um, um, time frame. And so we have to follow that charter until and if it is ever changed to allow us to change it to a different date or to coordinate, you know, in November. But it is um, would be changing that and it would take a vote of the people um, to do that. Yeah. You know, you, this this conversation is making me just uh, realize again the fact that, you know, in an era where it seems like we've got a lot of armchair quarterbacks about this and that policy issue and whatever it is that they feel like is their kind of flavor of the day political, you know, commentary that you guys bring a lot of expertise and a lot of experience into a role that is very complex. And it's something that your random person who wants to do good in our community can't just jump in and do even from the best intentions, they really have to take some real time and a lot of time to really understand the complexities of how city and county government work. A lot of these are really very technical positions. Uh, It takes a lot of knowledge and background and and a great team um, behind each of us, right? So let me ask you a little bit about that because, again, referring back to, I mentioned it at the intro, kind of the commentary on, you know, elections, integrity, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I know that, you know, the... The issues that we've had around the country have maybe not necessarily been quite as present or as prominent here over the last couple of years. I'm not going to pretend that neither of you have been immune to those things, but it just doesn't seem like we've had the same issues that have surfaced here like maybe have in other communities. But how does it affect you when you hear these conversations around kind of election integrity? I mean, you're a person, you're people that that bring yourselves into your role. How does that affect you when these kinds of conversations come Um, up? You know, elections are local but they're also national, right? Because Mm -hmm. of 24-7 news outlets and the like. The way we do elections in Colorado is uniquely different than a lot of other places. We have a hybrid mail ballot. We are a hybrid mail ballot state. So um, we send ballots out 
number of weeks before an election, then you have the have the time, the expanse of time to research the candidates and issues to be an informed voter and return that back. So we we have the safeguards in place to make sure it is you and only you that have cast that ballot. But we also couple that with the convenience that I think more and more citizens want in their in their busy day. Um, it is it is um, troubling to see. Um, the the uh, debate, the dialogue about elections, because we know uniquely the layers and layers of security we have in place, the checks and balances, the bipartisan teams. And in, in our example, um, you know, we just did our logic and accuracy test so where we we demonstrate to the public our election equipment is tabulating correctly and it's putting those votes in the right bin bucket, so to speak. And then we we do post election audits. Um, so. There's a lot that we do professionally to ensure and that we can demonstrate to our citizens that our elections are fair, accurate, transparent, transparent, and verifiable. With the debate afterwards, and I understand people's passion, their concern, maybe perhaps on the direction of their country, and they want to know that we got it right as professionals. Um, you know, I know we did, we've done a, additional things. We made our ballot images available, our, our cast vote records, which is how the machine read each ballot. We created a ballot audit tool that someone at home can download, and they can look at each of those ballot images and how the machine read it and interpreted it. And then we also brought in a, a, a competitor of, uh, of our system who then retabulated. And we do all that because we, we want our citizens to have the utmost confidence in, in voting that, you know, that's, that's, that's your right under our constitution, both federal and state constitution, that franchise that so many of our, our citizens, um, since we're in a military community, you know, we, we know every day that have shed uh, blood and their ultimate sacrifice to ensure that we have that opportunity to vote. So we want to we want to make sure that you have confidence to vote. Exactly. And I do think the rise of social media, I don't care what platform mm -hmm. you're on, mm -hmm. um, talk radio to some degree, or two, you know, TV stations, the d cable stations that are always looking for things to air. I do think that has really, in my personal opinion, kind of harmed elections a lot, because anybody can say anything, whether it's a post on Facebook, or it's an Instagram or a TikTok video, or, you know, a tweet here, or a pundit saying this, they can throw it out there there that the election's fraudulent, for example. Mm -hmm. They can say that very easily. I just said it. Super simple to say. <laughs> but the problem that, you know, Chuck and I have or an election official is we can't answer that in three words. No, it's not. Yeah. That's not going to cut it, right? right. It takes well us said. longer to explain the processes. And by that point, you know, the person doesn't want to hear their minds made up. And so it's really tough. And I know there are a lot of great things that Chuck mentioned and a lot of, you know, informational things that we're creating, for example, uh, to kind of combat some of that in preparation for our election next year. But it's basically just takes the willingness to keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. about this is what I think, but let's hear your response to that and to listen to each other. And I, I do think that's where a lot of the misinformation, the disinformation, you know, has come up because a lot of this stuff is really slick out there. It's well done. And even sometimes I know I'll catch myself looking at some of that going, I know the answer, but if I didn't, this is really impressive how huh. they put this together. And so it's, it's really hard for the public, yeah. I think, to, to really get a true answer 
closer. And that's why we want them to come to us. We want them to visit and to see how we run trusted source. And so Chuck and I are both involved with a lot of national organizations, both both, you know, in the national level, state election directors, secretary of states, um, election assistance commission and private groups that are working to try to get that information out there about whether you, you know, you want to believe what you want to believe. But if you really want to find the answer, go to this website and we yeah. can find. And so you're going to see a lot more of that being created, some, you know, private nonprofits being created to try to combat that disinformation. Mm-hmm. A lot of the filters that these social media sites are now putting into place some good, some not. But, you know, hopefully what we just ask as election professionals is keep an open mind and come to the trusted source and let us explain how we conduct our elections and show you and demonstrate to you as best we can. In a live election, sometimes it's a little hard um, because you can't have citizens just coming into the room where you're, you know, counting and working on that. But you can have them look into the room, but they can't come in and touch ballots and those kind of things. So it is tough. It's just a matter of please take the time to come to us and get the other side of the yeah, story. We've we spent the last year and a half with s- small groups, large groups with individuals one-on-one. I've taken hundreds of phone calls and you can, once you go through and spend, you know, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour walking through all the layers of security. Um, I think a lot of folks have an understanding of elections is you print ballots, you mail them out and you come back and they count. But it's not that easy. We we have we have hundreds of steps and layers of security in in place. And I I always invite people, if you want to know more about how your elections run, be be an election judge. And, and Sarah and I share some of the same election judges who will work the municipal election and, and then uh, for the county and, and and back and forth. But what I found is the new folks that come in have a a, a very good rich understanding afterwards and say, I I didn't know that. I didn't know that about election. They become our ambassadors to others in the community about how elections are Yeah, that's are an interesting run. call to action. So for those who might be interested in saying, I've got a lot of opinions, I've got a lot of perspectives, or I'm hearing a lot of them, and I want to know the truth, a good call to action might be to sign up to be an election judge and just see how it works from the inside. That's, that's really good. Hey, listeners, we just want to take a quick minute in this episode to just tell you a little bit about something that's coming up where we could really use your help here in our community. Every year, Cuz I Love You helps orchestrate an event that we call the Backpack Bash, which happens at six locations across two consecutive weekends, July 30th and August 6th, later on this coming summer. There's a great way for you, as just the average listener, the everyday community citizen, to participate in helping us ensure that 12,000 students are able to go back to school with everything that they need, including backpacks and school. Supplies. On our website, backpackbash.com, you can go and click on a place that it says donate or participate, and you can find out different ways that you could help support this effort to give 12,000 kids the start that they need. Here's what I'm asking you to do go to that website, and you can do one of two things or both. You could find over 20 locations where there are community drop off locations. You can go out, shop at any one of your local favorite stores, and find some brand new school supplies, including a backpack, and drop them off at any one of those 20 locations, including 
visiting all eight of our local Walmarts. We've made it as simple as possible for you to find the right supplies and a backpack that you can go pick up, purchase, and drop it off that a kid who's going back to school could use as they come into the fall school year. The other thing that you can do if you just don't have time or the opportunity to go out and purchase supplies on your own, you could just head to that donate button where for just $11, you can help put a backpack full of school supplies on a kid's back at any one of these events. If you wanna sponsor one kid, if you wanna sponsor 100, if you wanna sponsor 1,000, Anything that you can do would be really helpful, but just head to backpackbash.com today and see if you can help us be a part of helping 12,000 kids get back to school this fall. We'll see you at the backpackbash.com website. All right, I want to ask you both about another issue that I know for sure is part of Sarah's oversight, because you mentioned earlier, but um, Chuck, it may not be a part of yours, but you may have some thoughts on it. So Sarah, your office is responsible for, among other things, you mentioned it, the uh, issuing of licenses to sell medical marijuana in Colorado Springs. So this is a complex issue, and there are a lot of opinions about both medical and retail marijuana, and there's probably even a lot more misconceptions about it. Um, so can you shed some light on this issue from your perspective, not the use of marijuana, but how and why it's regulated the way that it is? Sure. Uh, liquor and marijuana both are really good examples of what I what we call dual state licensing. So there is a state licensing component that they go through uh, the medical marijuana division, MED, uh, on the state level, and then they also come through our office for licensing in that respect. And it does need to be regulated. You know, there's regulations now on how close together uh, medical marijuana um, centers mm -hmm. And retail, for that mm -hmm. matter, too, in those entities that have retail, how close they can be to each other. Again, mm -hmm. trying to get them spread out um, across the city. Um, you also want to make sure that the advertising, that's another good reason. Mm -hmm. A lot of you may remember the Joe Camel ads on the tobacco side. And so there's some good regulation on uh, the same concept about advertising for medical marijuana. Like you can't have... I know one instance where we had a mural painted on a building. It was a cookie monster, you know, on the side of a medical marijuana center, you know, eating a cookie and, and, you know, said, come here, you know, for your marijuana needs. Well, that is cute. However, you know, that violates the regulation. It appeals to children. Right. Um, and well, beyond the trademark issues <laughs> and all of that. So we do have that type of regulation. We also um, track what you may have heard seed to sale. So the moment that um, owner gets the seeds to actually grow the marijuana plant, it's, it's barcoded and entered into a state tracking database. And so that particular seed then is tracked from when it's grown up to be an adult and it gets harvested and what products it's turned into, all of that is tracked. Who's who buys it, who sells it, mm -hmm. um, all of that is tracked. And so what that does is gives a comfort level. There's also testing, I should say, to make sure that product does not have some pesticides on it or mold on it or something that then is eaten or ingested or inhaled by the person buying it. So there's that comfort level that that has been tracked. It has been tested. It's found to not have harmful chemicals. Yeah. 
And we also have a list at all times of where these locations are, the ownership structure, should anything come out about that. And then on the medical side, you have to have a doctor's, you know, um, prescription, Mm -hmm. so to say, not in a traditional sense, to know how much product you're allowed to have Mm -hmm. so that our dispensary owners, it protects them too. So they're not selling the wrong amounts to the wrong people. And so you do need to kind of know, just like prescription drugs um, that many of you all have taken at some point over your life is also regulated Mm -hmm. through the federal side Mm -hmm. and then through the state side. So it is important to have that comfort level. Know who you're buying, know what you're buying as much as you can. But just that's, I mean, that's one example of a number of areas that both of you oversee in your offices of just the layers of complexity and, and challenge and the hoops that you have to kind of put in place in order to make sure that things are going right, that they're serving our community well, that they're not being abused, taken advantage of, et cetera. So, I mean, again, it just makes me realize how much it is that you guys are actually overseeing. So let me kind of shift directions a little bit. On our previous episode of of this podcast, just a month ago, we had a conversation with City Councilwoman Nancy Hengem and El Paso County Commissioner Cami Bremer, both of whom I know you guys work with closely. Uh, Parts of your respective roles are to work with the individuals in those positions and Helping them, as you said it earlier, uh, Sarah, to be effective at their jobs, tracking with some of the many responsibilities that they oversee and supporting their initiatives in the community. So in, in a lot of ways, I see you and your teams as the engines, like I said, that keep those teams and those folks running and effective. But kind of rather than asking you, I mean, how do you do it all? I'd like to just ask a little bit of a different question. With, with all the polarization and politics and government lately, it's just getting harder and harder to find people who are willing to work with people both that they agree with and that they disagree with. But I know that that is such a critical component of your success. Um, you're not just glorified administrators. You have influence. You have perspectives of your own. How do you find ways to serve, support, and lead with these folks, even when at times you perhaps disagree with them? I, I think maybe I, I, I'm probably blessed in that area because of what I did previous to being the clerk and recorder. I worked in the private sector in engineering and manufacturing, and every day was about solving problems. And that's what I like about this job is mm. I get to solve different problems, um, whether you know in the manufacturing or a customer or delivery, uh, equipment down. How do how do you manage a, a changing environment? And we see some of the same same things in in city and county government. Uh, we collaborate a lot. I know Sarah and I when it comes to elections. Besides election judges. Uh, we we have 39 drop boxes for our mail ballots throughout the community, and we've partnered with Sarah. You know, there's no no need for the city to have their own drop boxes and the county have. You know, we're all taxpayers. We're all paying into that, and we should all share that and shouldn't duplicate efforts. So um, when it comes to drop boxes, uh, we share things. Uh, um, we share workers. We share, um, we share ballot space and the like and the same thing with our county commissioners um they're really they're really desired to solve problems and be be that agent to solve problems and uh, we have a great collaborative uh, effort here in the county and i know i know in the city that we just i just we just resolve to solve problems and do the best job that we can as professionals we do um i think what helps on you know, the city side is we run nonpartisan elections. Mm-hmm. So the our council members are not getting elected as a Democrat or a Republican or polka dot party or whatever. <laughs> you know, we're just not elected that way. And it's a lot of complaints I get from voters, too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is I just want to know which one's a Republican or which one's a Democrat. And I'm like, I don't know. We 
run nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. You know, people like that. People don't like that. But are we the, unique in that regard, Sarah, as no, a city? No, no. Okay. All the city elections okay. are run as nonpartisan Good. elections. Good to know. Uh, even the ones that or coordinate with with um, Chuck here, they run as nonpartisan. So my, my point with all of that is I don't know going in what they are. Don't care. They don't know what I am. Don't care in that respect. But from my perspective, I get to know these can't know them as a candidate. You know, when they come in to file for office, I work closely with them. And my goal and my point, and I, I tell them in my candidate training, I don't play favorites. Mm-hmm. Everybody's entitled to good information. I email the heck out of them with, you know, as we're going through the election cycle, here's what's coming next. Here's what's coming next. So by the time they get elected, you know, I've already built that relationship. And the same thing, you know, on your side, you've built that relationship Um with them. And so, you know, sometimes when that, like, I will say council member Hingham, for example, you know, is a great council member, as they all nine are mm-hmm. great council members, but somebody that's new to government's never been, you know, served in government, mm-hmm. when they come into office, you know, a lot of times I'm and some of my staff are the only people they know, mm-hmm. really well, so we can help guide them. And, you know, my intent with with our elected officials, and even when I was in Kentucky, working with state elected officials, and partisan and nonpartisan, and elect officials is key, the key is I'm here to help you. Mm. What information do you need? I will not break the law. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I will not do anything unethical, but I will help you find out information, uh, the right information, good and bad, you know, pro and con. And I think that's the trust they have in, in both Chuck and I is that when they come to us, they're going to know they're going to get the information. And I'll just, you know, straightforward. This is the good side. This is the bad side. Yeah. Do you want to know my opinion? I'll give it. <laughs> uh, but most of the time, it's just information, mm-hmm. you know, sharing, yeah. really. So Okay, so kind of last question here. Um, for both of you, I think one of the goals for this podcast is, as I've said, to inform local residents and citizens about our city so that we can work toward its prosperity. One of the biggest goals that I have for Because I Love You is that we would be a catalyst specifically for the faith community to become our city's greatest advocates and partners in alleviating human suffering and advancing human flourishing. That's one of the ways that we talk about it. But that requires that we know how to be good citizens. Um, one of the We need to be informed about kind of what works, what's helpful, and if necessary, the right and the best ways to seek some change in our city. And that's a lot of things that you guys oversee is how do we change? How do we make it better? What are the things that we can vote on or what are the things that we can be informed about? So with respect to all the things that the two of you oversee in our city and our county, what can we do to be just better citizens in our community? How can we affirm the good work that we see happening in our community? And what's the best way to address things that we may feel need to be changed? I think educating yourself on the process. Uh, We have a lot of information available on our websites. We have staff that is always willing to answer questions is, is, you know, to be a good citizen requires one to be well-informed, well-educated. I think our founding fathers made mention of that, that in order for a representative democracy to flourish, it required an educated citizenry. Mm. And I think that's very much true. Whether it's elections and your understanding or or how um, your motor vehicle um, licensing works for your, your, your vehicle, um, it's, it's about... It's about educating, informing, and and reaching out and asking asking the probing questions and and, and learning more about how mm-hmm. how we can 
we interface. I get a lot of great ideas from citizens who say, hey, how about doing doing something this way? Uh, so um, I'm always open. I, like I said, I'm a problem solver. If you, if you give me an idea, I'll, I'll probably try it out. Yeah, that's good. I think the most important thing is everybody, you know, elections, of course, my favorite subject in the whole world. <laughs> I might need therapy. I don't know. Uh, but it is. I, I think what happens, and, and Chuck can, can relate to this too, when you have federal elections, somebody federal, particularly presidentials is probably the most, and everybody and their brother reaches out to us and go, how can we help motivate our voters? Mm. How can we get the vote out? What can we do? And we are very happy to provide information and links and teaching and like, you know, Chuck had mentioned going out to civic groups or, you know, Bible study classes. I've done some of that back in Kentucky, just any way to reach the voter, you Mm. know, to get that interest. And I think that's wonderful and it's helpful and it's great, but you typically only see that full force coming out in federal elections, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, from my perspective, our city elections coming up in April 4th of 2023, you know, we're going to elect a mayor. Our current mayor is term limited. So it is what we call an open seat. And our three at-large council members also on that ballot are open seats too, meaning mm-hmm. there's no incumbent running. Mm. And so what I would like is some emphasis in these off years, these odd year elections, whether it's, you know, the November election in an odd year or my April election, you know, I want to see that group effort to help educate and inform the voters, hey, there's an election. It's for school board. It's for these issues. Or in mine, it's the municipal elections. These are important elections because a voter is more likely to run into their councilman or their mayor in the grocery than they ever will of meeting a president or a U.S. senator or, you know, maybe sometimes even their state legislature, you Mm -hmm. know, legislator, who knows. So I think that's one part of it is get out the vote. But I also tend to see over time that you get out the vote, you have the election, and then they drop. You know, you you lose contact with that citizen, in your case, you know, that church member, right? You you don't continue to try to educate them. Great, we've got these people elected, like them or not like them, but now here's how you can have your voice heard on this proposal, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's road dieting is a term, which is bike Road lanes and dieting. those things. Yes, yes. Um, you might have to look that one up afterwards. It is. It's just lessening a road, you know, maybe from two lanes on each side to, to two direct lanes and then bike lanes or something. That's a trigger word. Sorry, I said that out <laughs> loud, didn't I? <laughs> uh, or whether it's, you know, getting a new business license or whatever, or a development, mm-hmm. you know, coming into your neighborhood. A lot of times, what I think you all could do is just put out information about, hey, there's an upcoming city council member meeting, I'm sorry, on this date and this time, or hey, there's a county commissioner meeting, and hey, here's how you go find the agendas, or here's some topics. Mm -hmm. So it's get them to vote and get them to register. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Um, But also then getting them and keeping them engaged by informing them of when the meetings are or, you know, what these hot topics are. Uh, Land use is probably the one that brings the most people out. Or if you just want to come to a city council meeting or a board of county commissioners and have your three minutes, at least for the city side, three minutes Mm -hmm. uh, to talk about whatever you want that's not on the agenda. And we have that a lot. And of course, now post COVID, we're seeing more people Mm -hmm. physically come to our meetings. We do hybrid meetings, but Mm -hmm. it's just don't forget 
them once you ask them to vote. Yeah, stay engaged. Yeah. Okay, so Chuck and Sarah, you guys have mentioned several times, wanted to hear more from the public. Um, I want to just make sure that we give a good opportunity for people to know how to do that. So Sarah, if people want to get a hold of your office... Tell sure. us where and how. Um, we are located in the city administration building, so 30 uh, South Nevada, right at the corner of Colorado and, and Nevada Avenue. Uh, we also, you can email me at cityclerk, that's one word, cityclerk at coloradosprings.gov. Happy to answer questions. And like I said, if you don't know where in the city to go, we'll get you to the right place. You can also call our office, 719-385-5901. And I know I talk really fast and that went we'll really fast. We'll put that fast, in the show so, notes. That's all right. So feel free to reach out. We're happy to help at all. Um, but just remember to vote in the upcoming elections. And like I said, I'll have more information out on my website, which is coloradosprings.gov slash elections. You can find our website and we'll have more information about our election after we get through November. I don't want to take the, the emphasis away with the June and November elections, which Chuck can talk about. So Chuck, how do, they, how do our folks get a hold of you? Well, and, and thank you, sir, for that segue. We do have an election coming up. We have the, re, the we have the Colorado state primaries that come up. Uh, that is June 28th. Ballots will be going out June 6th. So look in your mailbox a few days after that. You can reach out to our office at 575-VOTE. That's 575-8683. Or you can go to epcvotes.com. That's El Paso County, epcvotes.com to get more information. Okay, that's great. So, I mean, Sarah and Chuck, I'm so thankful, honestly, to have had this chance to have this conversation with two of you. And I'm even more so, I'm thankful to know both of you and to have the chance to just tell people that I meet in our community that our local elections officials and the people who keep these engines going are people of integrity and character. So, not, not only thanks for today, but thanks for thank, what you do. Thank you for covering this. And and listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed not only this conversation, but just the last few episodes that have been a part of this city series. There are so many other leaders and influencers in our city that we've not gotten a chance to talk to uh, that we may be able to come back to this series another time. But let me just encourage you to take heart, not only some of the information that you've heard here, but also the fact that our city and county are led by people, people who are giving their incredible skill and talent and their experience um, to the service of our city and our, and our county and our community, often with much less reward than what they deserve. And if you're ever in a position to do so, let me encourage you to speak well of them and find ways to honor their commitment, even if you happen to disagree with them from time to time. Let's be people who bless our leaders and who seek their best, knowing that there will always be ways that we can work together toward a better community. So thanks for joining us, and we will see you next month on the Cuz I Love You podcast. So, Corey, I have to say, I think that was one of the more intriguing interviews, not necessarily because it was, um, to be honest, like the most fascinating because, mm -hmm. I mean, it is, a, it is a lot of administrative stuff, but because of the experience that those two people have to bring to their roles every day. Yes. Right? I mean, yeah. there was a lot of things that they have to oversee, and it's not something that just anybody can kind of jump into. No, they have to have a lot of knowledge, a lot of patience, a lot of, I think, resiliency. They have to be able to, like, push through projects that are probably big and mm -hmm. daunting, and mm -hmm. they do it with grace and... They're amazing. Yeah. So tons of administration, lots of visibility, Absolutely. right? Lots, lots of stuff. I mean, it kind of reminds me a little of your role. Oh, maybe I should be called the Cause I Love You Clerk and Recorder. Mm, not sure that has a great ring to it. Corey Smith, the Cause I Love You Clerk and Recorder. Just, just think about it. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Change my business cards. Yeah.
But maybe there was something in there, Corey, that did resonate with yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think because my role at Cause I Love You does have pieces of administration, I found this conversation to be fascinating. Um, I also really was inspired by um, hearing that our city has deep roots in the administrative way that we make decisions. One being there's a city charter. I haven't read the city charter. Have you read the city charter? I have not. Wouldn't that be fascinating to look at what our city values and what they've written down, they refer back to often. I was thinking as we discuss being a good citizen and seeking the flourishing of our city, do I know what our city values truly? Mm -hmm. Have Mm -hmm. I spent time researching it, understanding it, grasping the concepts? I don't know if I have. And I was kind of inspired to do that in this conversation. Yeah, it does. uh, I mean, the the effort to be educated about what's happening in our city and why it happens the way that it does. It does require some proactivity. You need to be kind of invested, but it does seem like there's a lot of people who want to just clamor for their own opinion to Mm. be heard as opposed to taking the time to be educated and to take the time to understand what's going on in my city, what's going on in my community and why is it happening Hmm. the way that it is. Yeah. And I know that the, the understanding of the why, not just the what is really, really important. Yeah. Listeners, I hope that you got a lot out of this episode Particularly, I hope that you heard that one, like we said, uh, as we were wrapping up that interview, that these are people, but they're very capable people who are leading our community. And I appreciate the fact that regardless of their own individual perspectives or opinions on some of the issues that you and I probably all care about, that they're bringing a lot of professionalism, a lot of care and a lot of integrity into their roles. So I hope that this city series has been enlightening for you. Perhaps there are things and times that the subject matter hasn't been maybe your favorite uh, or your your most um, engaging uh, point of contact or your topic of conversation. But it is something that hopefully allows us to understand that our city has a lot of things going on. Our county has a lot of things going on. And there's always opportunities for us to be engaged citizens of our community. And let's just seek to find ways to be better citizens, better community members, so that, as Corey said, as we've said a number of times in this episode and in throughout these episodes, that we can continue to seek the peace and the prosperity of our city. So thanks for joining us on this podcast. As always, if you found it helpful, we would love it if you pass it along to somebody that you think could benefit from this. We're always looking for more ideas about future podcast episodes. So in addition to rating or liking this podcast on whatever platform you found it, you can always send us an email at info at cause with some ideas about future topics that you'd like us to be able to discuss. And we look forward to getting back into future episodes with areas of need where we can connect you to things that are happening in our city in ways that you can plug in. Until then, we look forward to seeing you next time on the Cause I Love You podcast. Cause I love you.